All right, well, we are still in the series called God Speaks. This is our last Sunday in the series God Speaks, and we've been talking basically every week about how we hear, how we cultivate a heart for hearing God's voice and for listening, listening to God's voice. And so this is the last weekend in this series. And if you're a visitor, I just want to say welcome, you guys. Welcome, welcome as a visitor. This could be a little different of a message. I, I, it's Pentecost Sunday, so I'm, I'm sharing some stuff that maybe maybe a little little um, out of the box. Let's say and my heart has been that we would we would normalize things of the Spirit in this series. We would normalize hearing God's voice and the gifts of the Spirit. We would normalize the things that we we hold so strongly to here at our church. But this is one of those talks that really cannot be normalized. Because Pentecost was a crazy, crazy event in the, in the life of the church. And all throughout Scripture, God does things that are totally unexpected. He can't be boxed in. You know, when the Celtic peoples, the, the Celts, became Christians, they converted, they converted from paganism to Christianity a long time ago, they were told the Holy Spirit was like a dove. That was the name of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was like a dove. And as they encountered the Holy Spirit and they experienced the Holy Spirit, they changed the name to a wild goose. Because they realized that the Spirit of God cannot be boxed in or predictable. And so uh, this talk today is one of those talks that may be like, whoa, this is a lot of the box, Brian. This is a little bit shocking. But I really want to say that my heart is that we would understand that if you're a Christian, if Jesus Christ lives in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit. And he wants to manifest, to fill you to overflowing. And when that happens... You change. You experience true joy and true life. So today's talk is about Pentecost, when the Spirit fell on the church. Let me pray for us as we get started. Father, thank you for this amazing event, the most important days we could ever celebrate in the church calendar, God, the day that your Spirit fell and filled believers. I pray today you would do that again. I pray this morning. I don't, I don't, Hold anything back. We want you to have your way today, Lord, whatever it looks like, that you would fill us again. Refresh us, refill us, renew us, heal us. We want to hear your voice. We want to know your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So throughout the talk, I'm going to share this whole this whole past week or two, I've been working on this talk, and I wanted to share different short little stories of people encountering the filling of the Holy Spirit experiences of being filled by the Holy Spirit. Some of these people were very famous people, revivalist preachers or healers, evangelists, whatever it may be. And some were just people I came across online that, were, that had a blog about how they encountered God. And, I, and they're just normal people. Because I want to make the point that this is not just for the, the special missionaries out there or the special evangelists or the special leaders. This has been happening for 2,000 years, you guys. The filling of the Holy Spirit has been happening for 2,000 years, all the way back to the early church, to St. Augustine, to, to Thomas Aquinas, to, to leaders John Wesley, all the way through the church to today. It still happens. And so God wants to fill us. I want to start with a story from this woman I just found online. She was at a Joyce Meyer conference back years ago, 20 years ago. And this is what she says. Joyce begins to pray about the Holy Spirit and just being, being filled. And she says, the woman says, no one laid hands on us. Joyce just prayed. And then she said, receive the Holy Spirit. And when she did pray that, he did. And my life was changed forever. 
I was standing up with hands uplifted to the Lord. I suddenly felt his presence stronger than ever before. My knees began to shake. I started crying like a baby and trembling. I felt love. I felt the love of God more than ever before in my life. I felt like the beloved of God for the first time. Waves after wave of liquid love just seemed to wash over me, and I cried and I cried and I cried. And out of the deepest part of my, my stomach, my belly, or my spirit maybe, came racking sobs that could only be expressed in syllables or a language I didn't even know. They were like syllables that expressed my complete heart to God. I was speaking directly to him. I felt a connection with Jesus, and the Spirit was touching me, and that's all that mattered. That's all I wanted. I felt his presence, and all I wanted was more of Jesus. And don't we want that? I mean, don't we really want that? I think all of us would say, I want that. Like, I want, I want the healing. I want the sense of his presence. I want the confidence of being his son or daughter. I want to know that I know. Amen. We want it. So Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. Matthew 5.11, John the Baptist foretold this. He said, Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So here's the story. Acts chapter 2. Let's go there. The long, the long story of the Spirit falling. So this is Pentecost weekend. This is basically a festival in Jerusalem. Every year, Jews would come from all over the Middle East for this festival of the harvest. It was a special festival. There were thousands upon thousands of Jews that would have been there in that place. Sixteen different languages, at least, were represented in that city at that time. Here's what, Paul sa- or, uh, here's what Luke says in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This is the disciples praying in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, where they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven was there. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Let's stop there. This was not a sanitized little event, you guys. This was craziness. This was the Spirit of God coming like a tornado into this little house where they were, they were praying. They've been seeking the Lord for 50 days, praying and waiting. They, they were hiding out in a sense. These disciples and the women that were with them, they were all there praying, fasting, seeking the Lord together. And all of a sudden, this tornado of wind comes in so powerfully that the whole city is aware of it. It's not just this individual thing, this corporate little little small group thing. It's like the Spirit of God is moving like a tornado, and people, people can feel it or hear it, and they begin to come over. This was not sanitized. When, when, when these disciples 
got filled with the Spirit, they began speaking in other tongues, 16 other tongues. So they were speaking languages. It wasn't like they walked out there. I'll just do a little example here. It wasn't like they just walked out in the street and were like, this, this kind of like nice, Hola, como estas? Mi nombre es Brian Robinson. Dios te bendiga. You know, he did, they didn't do that. The Spirit fell, and they were like, Gloria a Dios, glory to God, Jesus te ama, Jesus loves you. They were pouring out their hearts. They were intoxicated, and some said they're drunk because they were so out of control with the love and the joy of the Holy Spirit. It couldn't be contained. It couldn't be, it couldn't be just watered down. It poured out in such power. So first there's the wind. What is wind? Wind symbolizes change. The winds of change. You hear that expression. The wind came, as the, as the Spirit is described sometimes in the, in the Bible as wind. It came to bring a newness. This is a new season. And so he's coming with wind. And he pours, he pours himself out as this manifestation as, as wind, as air. It's like he's, he's washing away the old and bringing the new. And then the fire, this, this, little, this little idea that there's this, this flame of fire and above all their heads are tongues of fire that are kind of, you know, waving in the wind maybe. But fire is more than just, you know, like a little fireplace. It's like power. God says he's a consuming fire. This fire filled them. It burned away the junk of their past. It burned away the things that held them back. And it consumed them. It was a fire of God. It was it was comforting. It brought healing. It brought it brought it brought uh, you know salvation and healing and mercy. But it was a fire that burned in them, and it couldn't be contained. And the last manifestation, three manifestations: wind, fire, it's like a band, wind, fire, and wine. That's like a band from the seventies or something, I think. Um, <clears throat> but the wine, the, the the people, some people watching said, "This doesn't make any sense to me." My my logical mind can't comprehend this, they must be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. They must be drunk because they were acting drunk. So there was like this manifestation of wine. They were, they were consumed and filled. You know, when the, when the Spirit of God fills a mortal body, when, when the, the God who made a trillion stars fills you, weird things may happen. You're a mortal person. You're, you're a temple of the Lord. But when you get filled by the Spirit... Things could happen. You should explode, really. We should all explode. We should just blow up. I mean, the, the living God, the eternal King of Kings, who made a trillion, trillion stars, lives in you. What? Think about that. We should explode. And they felt a little bit drunk, a little woozy. Because the manifestations of intoxication was what they were feeling. They were feeling crazy peace and confidence. We, we use alcohol for that, don't we? They were feeling the real alcohol, the real intoxication of the love of Jesus. Another story. Dwight Moody, revivalist preacher from 100 years ago, was having very little effect in his, in his ministry. And he says, there were these two Methodist women who used to come over to my meetings at the YMCA. They would come and, and at the close of the meetings, they would say, we're praying for you, Mr. Moody. Finally, he became somewhat frustrated and said, why are you praying for me? Why don't you pray for the unsaved? And they said, we're praying that you would get the power. And he didn't know what they meant. Not long after that, on his way to England, walking up Wall Street in New York City, in the midst of the bustle and hustle of that city, his prayer was answered. The power of God just fell upon him as he walked up the street, and he had to hurry off to a house of a friend and stay in a room by himself. And in that room, he stayed alone for hours. The Spirit came upon him and filling his soul with such joy 
that at last he had to ask God to withhold his hand or he would die on the very spot from joy. He went out from that place with the power of the Spirit upon him. And when he got to London, the power of God wrought through him hundreds and hundreds of salvations, which led to the great revivals 150 years ago. Joy is a manifestation of the Spirit. You know what joy really is? Joy is the realization you are loved. It's the real, it's the, it's like the outflow of you feeling like I'm accepted. I cannot believe I'm accepted by him. And it comes out of you. It's not rational or logical. It's an emotion that's experienced. That's a byproduct of unconditional love. It's like you have such disregard for everything else. You feel joy. You say, I have been accepted by the king of the universe. And he has accepted me. It's powerful. And we, not we, necessarily we, but the church has a problem with joy. It's the most offensive thing. To see someone expressing joy, it's like, oh, that's so immature. Little Ansley running around with that flag. Oh my gosh, that's so distracting. But it's joy. And we're, we're offended by freedom like that. We want religion. Just sit down. It's time to sit down. Just clap when it's time to clap. Just say your prayer when it's time to say your prayer. God have mercy on us. We are not a religious church. We want freedom in this church. We want joy in this church. We want the spirit to move in power. I'm not going to apologize for that. If it looks weird, I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry. Because it is going to be weird sometimes. Because joy doesn't care. Just doesn't. Religion cares. Religion says, stop what you're doing. Religion seeks God through a form, through a, through a pattern, through uh, rituals. I love rituals. I love liturgy. I do. But there's a time when, the, when, the, when we as Christians feel uniquely loved, where that comes out of us in a certain way. When he fills us, it comes out of us in joy and expresses by raising our hands or clapping. In the book of Psalms, there are at least 12 different expressions of joy. 12 physical expressions, laying prostrate, weeping, hands, clapping, hands raised. There's like 12 expressions. How many have you experienced? Joy is real. It's tangible. When I was uh, not in college, a little bit after my days in college, I was a college leader at Mary Washington College in, in Fredericksburg. And this event happened in Mary Washington. We were a small group, about 15 or so, you know, just college kids and then leaders. I was, I was one of the leaders. And these kids were hungry for God. I've never seen anything like it before or since, honestly. And there were, there were about 15 or 20 of us, and we were, they were gathered in this upper room, literally, in this upper room on campus at Mary Washington College. And they began praying for the Spirit to come. And all of a sudden, this is what happened. The Spirit just came in power. And I have never seen really anything like it in my life in such a small group where literally everyone was being touched in different ways. Some were weeping. Some were laughing. Some were just being quiet. Some were worshiping. Some were um, just expressing praise. 
And what was happening was it wasn't just for the experience's sake. They were being marked by God for, for their life. They were being shown things about their lives. They were being marked and, and being touched by God in a way that defined them the rest of their lives. As I read these testimonies of these people experiencing the filling of the Spirit, that's what happened. Their lives changed. One touch from the living God can change you forever. The true living God, the, a, a true touch from him, a true filling of his spirit. So these kids, these 20, 18-year-old kids were just experiencing God and it looked like pandemonium. Some were acting like they've been drinking. Some were laughing. Some were falling down. I'm like, is this biblical? I'm thinking, is this biblical? I'm the religious one. I'm experiencing very little. I'm just kind of judging him. Honestly, I'm like, this is weird, man. And they're just innocent, in a sense. There's an innocence about these 18, 19-year-olds. Like they, they don't care. We're all in this room together. They're all kind of corporately embarrassed because the Spirit was touching them. It's like corporate embarrassment. I'm falling down, and I'm laughing, and, and it sounds like it's just crazy. But what came out of that experience was missionaries and pastors and businessmen. Literally every single person in that room is still walking with the Lord. I remember a girl named Emily Addison. She was laying in the corner, 85 pounds, all 85 pounds of her. She's a little 18-year-old girl, and she was weeping. And she was having a vision of the lost people of Africa. And she was saying, yes, Lord, more, Lord. And she was seeing the tribes and the nations come to Jesus. She was having a vision of that day when every tribe and tongue and nation will worship him. And she was wrecked forever. She went to Africa and opened an orphanage with her dad 10, 12 years ago. And it's an amazing ministry. That experience changed her life. That experience marked her forever. And we want to judge it as just a, an emotional experience. doesn't mean much. She's just a, you know, a teenage girl. She was marked by the Lord. We need this. And it is for us. She was a normal Christian. The supernatural should become natural in our midst. Other story real fast. <clears throat> this is from a guy named Charles Finney. He was a lawyer. And he, he spoke around the time of the Civil War, and he had a ministry that he's been called the father of modern evangelicalism. He led the Second Great Awakening. At the time he became a preacher, at that time, believe it or not, it was the lowest point of church attendance ever in America. Less than 10% of Americans went to church. We don't think of that usually at the time of, of the Declaration of Independence or 1800s. We think of that's, you know, we're Christian nation, but that was the lowest point of church attendance ever. Thomas Jefferson thought we'd become a deist or Unitarian nation because there are so few Christians. And so he comes on the scene, he gets saved, and this is the experience that he has. He says this, without any expectation of it, without ever having a thought in my mind that there was such a thing for me as this baptism, without my recollection I ever heard a message on it, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, my body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves of liquid leathers again, for I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God was touching me. No words can express the love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. I don't know, but I should say I literally bellowed out, unutterable gushing, gushings of my heart. The waves came over me and over me, one after the other, until I, could, until I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more, yet I had no fear of dying. 
He led hundreds of thousands to Christ, hundreds of thousands after, after that experience. He had stadiums filled that were bigger than Billy Graham days or anything we've ever experienced. He led hundreds of thousands. He would walk into a construction or a, 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 an iron mill. There's, there's a story of him walking in and he didn't even say a word. He walked up to a woman. He looked at her. She began weeping under the, under the love of the father coming through Charles Finney. And the entire place shut down and listened to him preach the gospel. It was like nothing we've ever seen before. He had a crazy theology that was all jacked up, no, 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 no doubt there. But, but the man experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And what that does, let's read the rest of Acts chapter 2. What, that, what happens is it doesn't just fill us up to make you feel happy or joyful. Peter says this, Acts 1.14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, addressed the crowd, and said, Fellow Jews, and all of you live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will, will, be, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Verse 39, skipping down. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's us. It's for you. It wasn't just for that first century, that first group of Christians, the beginning of the church, as powerful as it was, 3,000 people got saved. It is for you, all who are far off. And what happened is 3,000 people came to Christ that day through those disciples being filled, speaking in 16 different languages. Because, Because what God is doing is he's pouring out his spirit to fill you up, to pour you out to the world. It can't just stop with you feeling, oh, I feel such joy, and this is great, it's me and Jesus in my bedroom, and just quiet time, and me and the goosebumps. It's about you loving the lost with power and with authentic love. It produces something. He never just fills to fill. He fills so you be poured out to the world. And that's what happened. In every one of these stories I read, every one of these stories, the outworking was they loved the lost after this. They saw and felt what God felt for the world. They had a picture and a desire to love the lost of the world. Here's a blogger I read to some blogger talking about his experience. He said, this is what happened right away after this experience. I received the fruit of the Spirit, notably peace and joy. There's again. For the first time, I became confident of my true salvation. I became free from the power of sin. I still sinned, but the power was broken. I was given a desire to read the Bible, and I became able to understand the Scriptures in a way I'd never had before. I became able to hear from God and recognize his voice. And the Spirit became my helper, my teacher, my comforter, and my friend. Wouldn't that be amazing? Be totally confident you're saved. Be free from the power of sin. To read Scripture in a way you never had before and see things you never saw before. To hear God's voice and know it's really him speaking. And to experience the Spirit as your helper, your comforter, your teacher. That's what happens, you guys. That's, that's God's desire, I truly believe, that he wants to fill us to produce in us Christ-likeness. We become more like Jesus because the Spirit is Jesus. It's the Spirit of Jesus. When he fills you, you become more like him. 
You feel what he felt. And your heart breaks for what his heart breaks for. Gosh, I want us to know this and experience this. I want us. I don't don't believe he's holding back or he's, he's sort of reluctant about doing this. I believe it's really on us to pursue him and to experience him. This is what this is an important part here. R.A. Tory, another missionary I believe, he said this. And many may wait today because they don't know that there is a baptism of the spirit for them. Again, we call it the we call it the filling of the spirit. I don't I don't want to be confusing here. We believe that when you accept Christ, you're baptized with the spirit. We're not Pentecostal in that sense. We believe that when you accept Christ, you are baptized in the Spirit. So we just, the same word, baptism means immersed. We believe it's called filling. I don't want to confuse anybody. We're not, we're not saying that, you, we're not saying you don't have the Holy Spirit until this happens, in other words. You have the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is a filling, a renewal, an immersion. So he says this, many wait because, for a number of reasons, they're not resting in the finished work of Christ, or because they've not fully surrendered to God, or because they've not put away sin, or because they have not asked him and believe and take it. But the reason for the waiting is not from God, it's from ourselves. He mentions four things. I'm going to go through these four things because I believe they're real. He mentions four things. The first thing is they don't accept or experience it because they don't even know it exists. They don't know this experience really is available to them, that you as a believer know and have the Holy Spirit and you could have a fullness of the Spirit. It's for you. So they, they don't know it, they, they don't experience it because they haven't fully surrendered to God. That is a tough one, isn't it? Who's fully surrendered to God? I think what he means by this is he's, he's saying that there's a sense in our hearts that we say, Lord, I want you, whatever it looks like. I, I want you. I know there are places that are unsurrendered to me, but I still want him. And when he shows me those places, I'm going to go there with him. It's hard. But there's a sense in us that we say, I'm, I'm not going to hold on to my little idols. I'm not going to hold on to my little control. I'm not going to hold on to my little agendas. I am going to surrender to a loving father. He paid it all, so he's worth it all. He's worth my surrender. And if we don't surrender, he can't fill what isn't empty. He wants empty vessels. It's hard to say that, but it's true. We're filled up in America with our own stuff, our little petty idols and our little petty pleasures and our little addictions and fears and all the stuff. I'm not judging you. I have it. We all have it. We're all broken. But he wants empty vessels to fill. So we're, gonna, we're just going to empty ourselves today. And the, last, the third one is we're holding on to sins. We're holding on to patterns of thinking, sins in our lives. Not just we, we all sin, but patterns of thinking that are just not true deceptive things that we've believed incorrectly and we have addictions and we have all these things that we're holding on to and they're they're not giving us life they're taking life from us the very thing that we think sin will produce in us it takes away from us that very thing we thought alcohol would produce in us that that freedom it takes freedom from us eventually i'm not against alcohol i'm just giving an example the very thing we think sin will do in us it robs us from the thing we wanted it's, it's so ingenious of the devil to do this. Try this little pattern out. Try this little experience out. And all of a sudden, the very thing that we are hoping we'd find in that sin, some pleasure, some power, some notoriety, a lie, whatever, it takes away the freedom you once desired and thought you would have through sin. 
So we're going to, we give up sin. We say, Lord, I repent. Repentance is not like I'm stopping. Repentance is saying it's a change of mind. I'm changing the way I think about this thing. I'm no longer believing the same way about my love for money. I'm no longer believing the same way about my addiction to porn. I'm no longer believing the same thing about my, whatever it may be in our own hearts. We're saying, I turn from that thinking. I repent. The fourth thing is we simply haven't asked. He just wants us to ask. It's available to us. We surrender. We deal with the sin in our lives, and we ask. Those four things. We sang this song, New Wine, today, and it was totally random that we, I planned this talk, and then we prayed on Monday about new wine, and then Melissa said we're singing this song. It was all this stuff that kind of came together about this idea of new wine. We've been in a transition for several months with Antley leaving, and uh, in this time of transition. And I believe that that's a prophetic song for the season we're in, that there's a, there is a new wine that God wants to pour out, a new season. And that's the pattern in Scripture. It truly is. Death and resurrection is the pattern throughout Scripture. Had Jesus not died and rose, they would not have had this experience. They became more fruitful, more powerful, more joyful than before. But they couldn't see that. They saw and they wanted Jesus to stay with them. So much so, they, they would try to convince him, this is not your will. Your will, Jesus, is to come back, is to take over Israel, to be our king, raise up an army, and get our promised land back. He's like, no, you idiots. <laughs> I must go, because if I don't go, the one who is greater is coming to fill you. You don't even understand, like, it's going to be so much better. Death, resurrection. That's the season we're in right now as a church. Death, resurrection. Like, you don't get it. Like, the next thing is going to be greater. The new wine. Individually, corporately. The new wine skin. He wants to do it. But we die. We die to the things of the past. Not, not, we don't, we don't, we don't, they're not bad. It wasn't like Jesus was saying, die to me because I'm so bad. Or that was so, I was such a weak thing. He's like, no. It's a new season. This is the way I do things, you guys. And they're hiding out in the upper room, hiding up there, just praying and going, God, help us, help us, God. And the Spirit falls, and they all become radical for Jesus. They become filled with joy, and they go to the ends of the earth, and they bring the gospel. Every single one of them, the disciples are killed, except John. Everyone is killed for their faith. They go from fearful, little, you know, believers hanging out in a room to being radical, effective, fruitful, joyful Christians, free and it changes the world forever. Forever. Death, resurrection. So that's what God's doing right now. He's doing death and resurrection in us. So those four things, guys. Let's stand. The Lord, I believe, wants to fill us this morning. And he's going to do it. He's going to fill us up. We have to let go of the fear of man. We have to let go of any sense of like, oh, I don't want to, what, what happens if I get filled and I look like I'm drunk? Or what if I start laughing or something? We have to just let that go. Just let that go right now. Like, isn't his joy so much better? Isn't the, the, the things I've read, the people that have experienced this, isn't it so much better? You know, I remember the first time I really kind of became expressive in my, in my worship and, and experienced the Spirit. 
I felt as if I was, I was raising my hand. I was so afraid. I was raised Catholic, and then I went to Methodist church and Presbyterian church, and I went to you know, a vineyard church in college, and that, that, that was crazy. In the 90s, it was crazy. And I remember raising my hand, looking around, even though people were doing it around me. I was terrified just to raise my hand as if I was I had a question or something. Brian, what's your question? Oh, no, 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 no question. I was terrified. It was, it was like there was a ceiling. I felt like a, like a spiritual, like I'm going to do it. But the goal wasn't just to raise your hands. The goal was for me to feel free. This isn't the goal. The goal is this, open wide. Jesus, fill us, Lord. Yes, amen. So we're going to do that right now. We're just going to pray. Before we have ministry time, I'm going to say this. I'm just going to pray this, these four things. I'm just going to address these four things. Any area down here, every week we have ministry time. We let, we let people come down front for prayer. This whole area today, this whole area is for anyone who wants to experience the filling of the Spirit. Anywhere in this area. So if you're down here, we're going to, we're going to assume you're here to be filled, to be refreshed, refilled by the Spirit. If you need prayer for anything else, healing, emotional, physical, whatever, over here by the cross in front of Tony's stuff. If you want to paint, go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. But, over by the cross. So if you want healing, prayer for healing. So we'll, we'll assume that if you're over here, that you want prayer for healing or other issues. If you're anywhere in here, we're making this as, as easy as possible. All this area here. We'd love to pray for Kim's group as well. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Okay, let's pray for these four things. There's no hype. There's no hype. This is just stepping into what God has for us. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have finished the work on the cross for us. It's finished, and that we stand before you completely forgiven. And this is not about getting more forgiven. This is about walking in greater fruitfulness, greater freedom, and greater experience of your joy. So, Lord, we just we declare this is for us. This is for us, your sons and daughters. We're qualified. We're qualified because we have Jesus in our hearts. So we do. We rest in the finished work of Christ. We cannot add to it. And we surrender to you right now, God. Whatever thing comes to your heart right now, just give it to him. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Any area not surrender, just press delete and give it to him. Come Holy Spirit. Relationships. Agendas, fears, we surrender them, Lord. Any sin right now, Lord, we give to you. We just say, Lord, that you died for our sins and we're forgiven for these sins. So we just receive the forgiveness. We press delete again on the things that have held us captive. We've believed incorrectly and we change our mind about those things right now, Lord. Just give him the sins. Whatever comes to your mind, whatever comes to your heart, just give it to him. Receive his forgiveness. Now, lastly, Lord, we just ask, Daddy, would you come and fill your children right now? Just fill us up, God.
We just receive it, Lord. We receive the new wine, Lord, right now. Come with wind, Lord. Come with fire. Come with wine, Lord. We welcome you. We hold nothing back. Don't get distracted. Just press into him right now. Receive, receive, receive. Our prayer ministers are going to come down front now first, if they would, make their way down to the front. Every prayer minister, every elder that's here, please come down. We're going to have a lot of people receiving prayer, I believe, today. And we're going to pray this prayer. We're going to pray about the filling of the Spirit. We're not necessarily waiting for words or pictures. That's, that's for maybe the section over here. But we're, we're going to do this. We're going to ask the Lord to fill, to fill, and to touch. Don't let fear keep you from this moment. Don't let fear keep from this moment.